This is back to back. What's up, Back to Backers? This is Willie Joy. Welcome to the show. This is Back to Back. This is my podcast. We're back. How are you? How you feeling? How you doing? You doing all right? You, you living good? I hope you are. Hello. Uh, okay, that, that's an intro. That's one way to do it. Uh, guys, we're back. It's nice to be back with you. You might be able to tell my voice uh, is a little shredded. Uh, Last night, I was back in a club, back on stage, uh, back DJing in front of people for the first time in, I mean, it's crazy, first time in a couple of years, I guess. Wow. I don't know. It was not as weird as I thought it might feel. Uh, It felt like, it felt like being home. So uh, I had a great time, but uh, as you can tell, my voice did not. Look, guys, we have a great show for you today. Jericho is on the show, not only co-owner of Night Mode Records, uh, who have put out some of my favorite records of the last couple of years, but also a streaming, a gaming icon who first got big uh, making YouTube videos way back in the day and uh, has since firmly established himself as a pillar of the gaming community, of the Twitch community and is a really, really interesting person to talk to because he sits right at the intersection of of music and gaming. He has a really unique perspective on everything. It was great to talk to him. And uh, Night Mode Records, his label, man, they have been doing a lot. Releasing music from some of my favorite artists lately. Um, I could run down the whole list. There's a lot. But, uh, you know, people like Johns, people like Feed Me, people like Jewels, Leo Tricks. Alert, there's so many, and we talk about a lot of them and and many more and many other subjects as well. We were on his home turf. I mean, I'm recording all of these episodes on Twitch, and that's home base for Jericho. So we talked about what that experience is like, you know, having every DJ in the world invade his home, uh, so to speak, during the pandemic, and what he thinks uh, the future is between, you know, the melding of dance music and, and gaming and streaming, and also Night Mode Records, uh, his label again, uh, is DMCA-free content. So everything they put out, I mean, this is important, this is significant, uh, it is it is free to use by content creators. You don't have to pay a bunch of money to license a song, go through long, extended legal battles or or pleading or any of that to use it. Everything Night Mode puts out uh, is meant for people to use in their content. It is a forward-thinking model, and uh, you'll hear Jericho talk about it, but I, I think that's been a big part of the label's success as well. And look, speaking of pushing new ideas, new sounds, new artists, speaking of live streaming on Twitch, I am calling all music producers. If you're listening to this right now and you make music, I want you to come through my Twitch channel every single Friday. I am there 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. And what I do on Fridays is I listen to your demos, your whips, your tunes live on stream 
All you got to do to submit music is to hop in the back-to-back Discord. The link for that is in the description of this episode, as well as the link to the aforementioned Twitch channel. And then you just got to show up on Fridays. And uh, we have a great community of people. We're having so much fun every single week listening to everybody's stuff. Uh, Music producers are meeting each other, linking up, upping their game. We're giving feedback. We're giving constructive criticism. We are trying to uplift people. It can be hard to to get out there, to get your music heard. So this is meant to to help do that. So come through my Twitch, twitch.tv slash willyjoy on Fridays. If you make music, if you want people to listen to your music, talk about your music, uh, I'm here for you. I'm happy to do it. So come through Fridays. And uh, look, Mondays and Wednesdays on the channel as well, that's where I record this podcast. Every single week, I'm recording this show live in front of your eyes. You can come sit in the audience. You can come ask questions to your favorite artists. I have a pretty crazy lineup of guests uh, coming through in the next few weeks. You will see me posting about it, but uh, these are are some heavy hitters, y'all. Don't miss it. Come through, ask some questions to your favorite artists live with me Monday and Wednesday on my Twitch channel as well. But today is all about Jericho, uh, Jericho being the Twitch master, myself being the the Twitch uh, novice, I guess you would say. I love getting to talk to people from, uh, you know, adjacent but slightly different worlds than my own. I have so much respect for how much work being a successful streamer takes. It is It is just wild, truly. How much time and effort uh, Jericho spends not only streaming on Twitch, but putting together his YouTube videos. I mean, it's it's more than a full-time job. You'll hear us talk about it. It is an art form unto itself. And I haven't gotten to talk to too many people on this show who do that. I mean, the only other person really who does it seriously that I've had on is Cray. And uh, Cray is actually coming back on the show very soon as well. Keep your eyes peeled for that. But uh, it is a whole different hustle. And doing it along with working in music, man, it is a lot. So, you know, no matter what side of this you're you're coming from, you're approaching it from, I think there's going to be a lot to chew on, a lot to dig into. And I hope you enjoy it. If you do, of course, I would love to hear from you. Of course, I would love you to come join the back-to-back Discord, uh, join the Twitch channel, come tell me your thoughts, your feedback. You can also hit me up on social media at Willie Joy at Back to Back Pod as always, and I am extremely appreciative of your support. Uh, with that being said, let's get into today's episode. I really enjoyed this one. Big shout out to Night Mode Records. Uh, hit the link in the description of this episode to follow them, to follow Jericho. Uh, keep up to date with all the new releases from the label. They've got some heat on the way. All right, so look, this is me and Jericho back to back. Let's go. Sir, how are you? I'm good, man. You know, Wednesday, uh, pretty shitty day of the week. Can I curse on this? <laughs> you can definitely curse. Okay. I mean, I feel like I, I'm the one who should be asking you what we can and can't do. I feel like we're playing on your turf here. 
Yeah. Uh, home field advantage right now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm loose with the rules. I play, I play fast and dangerous. So <laughs> it's only a matter of time before Twitch bans me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like you, you've been, you've been going along for a good clip here. I think you've, you've yeah. got some credit with them at this point. I do. Uh, for Don't tell the public that, though. They'll be like, preferential treatment, and they're right. I better get a little preferential treatment, you know? Like, just <laughs> a smidge. Saying, man. Seniority counts for something. Right. Okay, well, this is this is actually the first question I, I wanted to ask you, and you segued to it perfectly, so we're mm. off to a great start. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how hilarious has it been for you to watch every single DJ immediately <laughs> scramble to become a streamer during the pandemic? Yeah, equally as funny as watching the exodus of everyone leave now that they're like, oh, wait, the thing I actually want to do is back. Like, let's go. Yeah. I mean, to, 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 to your credit and some other people's credits, a lot of people... Um, a lot of uh, DJs have seen the value in streaming, not just for whatever music stuff they do, but also just as a, a way to connect with fans. So like there are some that will stick around. But yeah, the most of the texts I was getting at the start of the pandemic were very, <laughs> you know, if you're my friend and, you, you know, my friends know who they are, like, of course, I love fielding your questions. But, you know, I have people like DM me and they're like, hey, man, how do you... uh how do you stream? And I'm like, broad question. How do you, how do you, uh, how do you make music? Like, what's the deal? There? Well, right. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like people hitting you for tech advice on Twitch is kind of similar to like somebody hitting a DJ for guest list. You know? Well, I mean, I mean, no, I'd say it's more like, um, I'd say it's more like me just reaching out and be like, Hey man. So I just have to know, like, what exactly is your doll, like your doll settings? Like how wet are, is the sausage fattener or whatever? Right. I don't make music. So if that made no sense. No, but. yeah. You're like, yeah. Can you tell me, can you, I see this compression. Can you explain that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly that. And I'm like, or, or the people, I'm like, you guys don't have a studio mic? You're a musician. You don't have one studio microphone you can use. It's like, <laughs> nope. Okay. I mean, it's, all, it's, it's what you want to get out of it. You know, Kenny Beats is crushing it right Ooh, now on Twitch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Eliminate's doing a great job. My boy Vincent. Like, there's, you know, there's a ton of people that are, that are actually doing it consistently. And then, you know, if you just want to get on and have some fun every now and then, that's cool too. That's still streaming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the whole thing, right? Is whatever makes it fun for you. It doesn't always have to be a job necessarily. I, well, yeah. so this is a question I preach on this podcast all the time that I think DJs need hobbies. I think <laughs> creatives in general need hobbies that are outside of what they do. Right. Like, how about for you? Because you, you know, this is, it's, you seem like you're having fun, but at the same time, this is your work. This is what you do for your job. How do you, how do you get that kind of work-life balance and keep what you do fun? Uh, I, I like to laugh that the, and I agree with you, every creative needs a hobby because I'm assuming I can speak for the majority of creatives that you start doing something because you love it and then it accidentally becomes your job. And at that point, you're you're still in love with it, but it, it's now your job. And it doesn't mean you don't like your job. It doesn't mean you don't like that thing as much. It's just, it changes how it's supposed to operate. And, um, and nobody can fix that. Like that's just humans, right? Yeah. So um, for me, I joke with a lot of DJs, the grass is always greener. Like I stream six hours a day, basically every single day without a break Man. for the last like seven years. Right. And then seven days a week. Yeah. Wow. I took, I took 12 days off last year and that includes like holidays and sick days and 
you know, man, so, man, that's like not, not quick side note on that. You know, in DJ world, it's, you know, you talk about people like Diplo or Steve Aoki, the people who are traveling every single day playing, you know, whatever, right. 300 some shows a year as like, wow, you know, they're really, but that is gross, but. <laughs> oh, sure. It's gross. Yeah. But to hear Utah seven days a week, six hours a day. I mean, come on. The man. time commitment is, is, is crazy. It's a full-time job. I stream a f- over a full-time yeah, jobs amount two full-time. every month jobs yeah i mean well no 100 160 hours a, a month right so yeah, yeah technically yeah. eight hours a day with weekends i just burn out like right. yeah you know if you do anything for six hours a day you're gonna get tired of it and it's important to relax thankfully i live in the beautiful city of los angeles and so we have an infinite amount of things to keep busy so i always you know i go to i go to a bunch of shows it's how i got into music it's how i got into the music industry um, I was at Space Yacht last night because we had some uh, Hellbound and Revel played. We've released with them. Yeah, like, shout out to Hellbound and Revel, man. Love those they're guys. They're fun. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's my fun place, right? I, I I let loose and I have my fun at night with my friends. I go out to dinner. I do all that stuff. And then it's back into work mode in the morning. Sure, you know? sure. Although, again, I mean, maybe this is, we'll talk more about night mode a little later, but Again, I feel like you, you've done it again, man. You took something you liked for fun and now you've made it work. <laughs> I know. Listen, my therapist loves this because she's like, what's next? What are you going to ruin that you love next? And I was like, I don't know if I love anything. I don't have the capacity to love much more uh, than I currently love um, music and gaming. But like, at least with music, um, it, it can't quite be my job just yet because like we don't make money from it. So it's like it's still yeah. like a fun project. But you're right. We're on the path. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, it's good, man. Of course, like, have you always been that kind of person where if you have an interest in it, you really need to, like, get inside that interest? You know what I mean? No, uh, no, this is all accidental. Like, I, I firm, not like, I firmly believe, obviously, I have a desire to do well by my, my, um, my hobbies and my, the things that I like. I like to invest myself in them. But, you know, like, like I, I picked up guitar for two months when I was growing up. That didn't work out. Even though I really wanted to learn, it didn't work right. out. I mean, there's a lot of things I've picked up and not had interest in. It just so happens that, I mean, at, at, for me, the YouTube and the Twitch side of things was giving me a lot of, uh, I guess, feedback that I didn't get in real life, uh, at, especially when I first started. Sure. So like that was a very positive thing for me and it made me want to do more of it. So it's kind of like uh, you get rewarded for it a lot of serotonin. Yep. Why not keep doing it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think this is another thing I talk about on this podcast all the time. I think it's, we all are addicted to this in some way or another, right? And it's more about sort of how do you channel the addiction into healthy and productive things versus, because right. it's it's still going to be there regardless. Yeah. I, and I don't, and I don't think I think whatever is healthy depends on the person because, you know, you have some of my colleagues, I, I mean, friends even that have streamed like 350 hours in one month. So that is that is like 10 hours, that is over 10 hours a day every day, you know, and they're like, because I like it. And I'm like, I like a lot of things, but not yeah. like, they, like that's, you're addicted, yeah. but like, that's fine for them. And they're, they're comfortable with it. So like, that's healthy, not healthy for me. Could not do that. So yeah, yeah, everybody's yeah. different. No, absolutely, man. Well, it makes me wonder, you know, you were talking about how early on you got that feedback. It was a positive experience. Mm-hmm. A- am I right that you're from Baltimore originally? Yes, Baltimore. Very happy and proud of my 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 home city. But uh, I grew up north of Baltimore uh, in a place called Towson. Okay, yeah, I know. T- I'm in D.C. right now, so I'm, I'm ah, not, far nice. from, not far yeah. from the stomping grounds. 
Um, and, you know, when you were growing up, I'm always curious, like where these things come from. I mean, let's let's break it all the way down. Like, what did what did your parents do and what kind of <laughs> stuff was around you as a kid? Right. Like, were they were they playing music in the home? Was there like we tech stuff in the home? Like, where did these interests start? Uh, I didn't have a I didn't have a game console until I got the PlayStation 2 when I was, I believe, 12 oh, okay. or 11. Right. And so I had a Game Boy, but, you know, and I had a PC. My mom did a little bit of IT work, but not a lot. It wasn't her main thing. I like I was the one that was seeking out music. I used to like when I discovered LimeWire, it became my whole thing of, of burning people's CDs. Yeah. Um, I, so I had a passion for a, like a wide variety of music, a lot of metal, a lot of rock, but then also complete opposite in the spectrum, like Gabber. I don't know how that happened, but you, you, I mean, LimeWire probably, right? Yeah, no, actually LimeWire. I was like, Anger Fist 2020 or like 2003 <laughs> set live. I'm like, what's this? Because yeah. you're like, okay, I'll mow the lawn to this. It's like, <laughs> yeah, because um, you're like, oh, Anger Fist, that sounds like a metal band. Right. Yeah. And it, I mean, in a lot of ways it was, but um, yep. I, no, my parents, my dad wasn't tech savvy. They never played video games. There was no, no, no like outside influence. Really, what happened was once I found out that there was, um, a way, you know, through RuneScape or whatever, where I was connecting to people and with people on message boards or online in a way that I was not able to or wasn't getting from, you know, school or whatever. Had friends, but none like the, I would get on and I'd be like, oh, my friend's online. Like, yeah. here we go. Yeah. So that that's really what kind of kindled it because I was like, oh, the social aspect of this is so important to me because I can't really get it or I'm not getting it elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, so those kind of interests that you had, whether it's, you know, gaming or metal or whatever it was early on, were you kind of the odd one out in your your social sphere at the time? I didn't tell uh, people played video games. You got to understand that video games have really only become a cool thing in the last five years. And I would even argue like seven years ago, people still laughed at me when I was like, I play video games. I, I still can't put in my bio to, for <laughs> Tinder like gamer right? right that's still not cool <laughs> decidedly uncool but decidedly, um, yeah. but i mean like drake played with ninja catalyst for a lot of normal normie people to be like ah what the hell i didn't know that and oh, you know yeah. you heard yeah and you heard about people playing call of duty right uh, the sports players whatever so there was an idea of that in the past but um no i did not tell anyone that i had a youtube channel until <laughs> like I had like 40,000 subscribers and we were graduating and I was like, and bye. I don't know how you're going to take this. I'm out of here. But yeah, I hit it. Yeah, no. And that, that makes sense, man. I mean, what about it? Was YouTube the first thing where you really mm -hmm. created content? Quote unquote. Yes. I had a kid who I met who lived in Los Angeles called Skittle um, over Xbox Live. And I was making like, I was ranting about how stupid one of the guns was in uh, Call of Duty World at War. He was like, man, that's kind of funny. You should record that and put it on YouTube. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I will. So I made a YouTube video called Thoughts of the Week. And I was just complaining about some Call of Duty stuff in my, in my bedroom with like an old MacBook that was broken. Like it would spark when you turned it on type beat. It was, right. you know, and I was like, <laughs> oh, I like this. I got 50 views in like three weeks. And I was like, oh Ooh, my God. Like that's doing numbers. I, in my head, I was like, that's like half my class size. That's so sick. <laughs> like, what if half my class paid attention to something I did? Yeah. So, um, you know, and obviously that grew pretty quickly. YouTube was the first thing that I did. And when I got, I, I got a lot of like outside pressure from my online friends to do more, which uh, spurred me to do more things. And I got feedback from strangers and, you know, started to get this traction. So that was 12 years ago now. Um, my Man. first video was uploaded August in 2009. 
And did it take off pretty quickly for you? No. No. <laughs> I mean, all things considered, I think people can look at it either way, right? There are YouTubers that have grown 5 million subs in their first year. That's, and that's dope. But like that level of attention was not on YouTube or creators for a very long time. Like the most subscribed channel when I started in gaming was 20,000 subs. And wow. it was like machinima, right? And so when I had 5,000 subs about nine months after the fact, or maybe a little less than that, uh, maybe, you know, half a year, whatever, I was, to me, that was just absurd, like a meteoric rise right. because there just wasn't enough. The pool was small. The pool is infinite now. I mean, oh, there are man. so many people on YouTube. It's like kids grow up now wanting to be YouTubers. That's so fucked up. Like, yeah, stop that. We oh got to stop this. You know, I didn't want, I didn't choose this. I don't want it, but I do. But like, come on, kids. Yeah, you don't. That is really a depressing thought to think somebody grows up and now Ooh. aspires to do that. Maybe not YouTuber. I I'm, I'm, let me backtrack. It's cool to be a YouTuber. That's just creating content. Influencer is what I meant. Yes. People don't like, I want to be Instagram famous. I'm like, that's not I mean, it is a job, but like, really? That's it? That's the that's the one? Like, all right, cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It's funny. When you were growing up, like, what did you think was going to happen? Because obviously you didn't have influencers to look at to see like, oh, this is what a successful version of this looks like. I mean, what is like, even now, what does it look like when I retire? Like, is there a retirement? Do I do this forever? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm still enjoying it. Like there is no set path because it's kind of like, hi, we're, we're making it right now. So when I started, um, even years after I had started, I remember when I was in college. So like two years later, um, my grandpa asked me how long I'd do it for. And I was like, I don't know, like maybe another couple of years I could see myself doing it. But then like, but like school takes a lot of time. Yeah. I dropped out, you know, things changed in that a lot in that six months, but still <laughs> I was a thought, what, where do you go from here? I don't know, but I think I just want to do more of it. And that was the catalyst for me moving to LA. I just wanted to do more of it. It was fun. It was making me happy. I was getting paid. Sort yeah. Of. Well, and I mean, if you're able to still feel that way now, I think that's great. You know, I think maybe that's yeah. the way you you keep it fun for yourself, right? Is like, sure, it's it's big time now, and everybody's on it, and we've got politicians on Twitch, and, you know, <laughs> right. all the, all this kind of crazy shit. But if you're still, yeah. maybe that's why maybe that's why this format is so intriguing in the first place, right? Is all these like now it's mainstream, it's ce celebrities, politicians, musicians, everybody. But like you said, there's no one knows where it's going yet, right? Like it's it's exciting, wild west, right? It, very it is truly fucking wild west. I used to joke with my friend um, who still does YouTube and stuff, um, not to the same level, but still does it, right? And I, I used to say like, "Hey, man, like what we're doing right now and the things that we're doing, um, we're kind of like." Babe Ruth or um, like, like one of the earlier ones where it's like, people will look back and be like, that was super dope. Like really good. They laid the groundwork. Babe Ruth made like 50 grand, right? Yeah. He, like Manny Machado or not whoever, like Fernando Tatis is making $320 million, right? <laughs> very different. They both did the same thing. They're both very good at what they do. Right. But like the difference here is this is just mainstream and a lot more money. So yeah. Yeah. I well, mean, I mean, I think just in culture in general, the originators yeah. never really get their due, right? Which which is why I'm clawing at. I'm like, just keep me around for like five more years and then I'll promise to leave you alone. I'll disappear to music. You won't hear me again until you're, you're like, at my shows. Like, I'm the originator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it, it definitely, it's an interesting wild west. that's exciting to be in for everyone, no matter how big or small. Yeah, absolutely. Who was, this is just me being ignorant, but who's like, before you, who's like the original 
pioneer of this shit. I mean, they're like, it would be super dumb of me to say that I am in like even the originator class. Because yeah, while yeah. I did stream before Twitch was even Twitch TV um, or Justin TV for that matter. And I was on Ustream. Like really, you got to look towards people who are like pillars of the community. I mean, uh, like Dan's Game or Summit. I mean, they're like Soda Pop. And these are people that have been streaming equally as long, if not longer, but have had a vastly more impactful like career span and culturally, you know, they're like the Zeds or the Diplos of live streaming. They do whatever they fucking want. Yeah. And people will still love them. Yeah. So it's great. Like they are the ones that have kind of kept the platform from its roots to now. So it's such a new world to me that I'm I'm learning all of this backwards, which is kind of fun. Like I get to, like we were saying earlier, I get to just be a fan for a second. Right. And I just get to like learn about all this new shit. It's I'm having a blast doing it. I, I mean, for you, like when you started doing these YouTube videos back in the day and you're a kid and you get 50 views and <laughs> that feels amazing. Right. How did that evolve? Like you said, you went to college, dropped out of college, but you were doing videos the whole time, right? Yeah. Like, well, did you were you seeing growth with it or was it still just something you were doing because it was fun? I mean, yeah, I was seeing growth, right? But I, it was so hard. And when I got my first paycheck, it was like $3.40, right? My, I showed my mom and my mom kind of laughed at, at it, obviously, right? <laughs> I was like, but hey, I was stoked. Money was earned from doing this. So my mom let me not, argued with my dad to let me not take a summer job, but instead focus on making YouTube videos, which then led me to getting a partnership with Machinima, which at the time was pretty big, um, getting paid through there. And then it, I did see growth, but like, let's not be crazy here. When I left, when I made the decision to leave college in December, um, I was terrified. My parents were are so traditional. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> my dad was like, if you're going to fuck up your life, now's a great time to do it because you got no responsibilities. And I was like, that's a yes? Okay. That's a good advice. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when I decided to leave, the, the, catalog, the, the reasoning was I was moving into a house in Santa Monica with four or three of my closest friends. We were all going to split the exorbitant rent. I got a loan from my aunt. Like it was a whole thing. I think I was making like 20 grand that year. Yeah. It was, we were, we were on ramen and dollar menu for like two and a half solid, solid years before like we got into like the more comfortable lifestyle. But that makes sense. We, yeah. So you moved with all these friends. Were they all right. over the country too? Yeah. So one was from uh, Portland, Oregon. I mean, Vancouver, Washington. One was from uh, uh, Champaign, Illinois. Um, over time, my friend from the UK went and uh, moved in with us. I had, at one time, there were six people living in a three-bedroom house. Nice. With a, with a, yeah, right? So I love it. We were, and it was like an old shitty place, but like uh, a friend was. from yeah. Montana moved in. So like, yeah, all over the place. It was funny enough. It was one of the first content houses, if not the first content houses that, you know, people have now gravitated to making, but it was kind of like a, a an Airbnb B for any content creator. That couch was always filled with somebody from <laughs> wherever because nobody wants to pay for a hotel room. Yeah, well, it's interesting to think about. So you must have been part of a wave then of of all these people trying to do, you know, trying to make it like as this sort of uh, this this platform, this art form, whatever you want to call it, is evolving. It sounds like all at the same time there are a bunch of people realizing, oh, this could this could be a movement. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's always obvious to you when you're involved with the movement, because of course, like you believe in it. That's the whole point. Right. So around me, it seemed as if, I mean, this was an obvious thing that was happening and, and the growth was exponential. You had um, companies like Machinima doing deals with Verizon for millions of dollars and the corporate side was getting you know noticed. So 
when we started doing work with Activision for Call of Duty directly and I was going into the studios, that's when I was like, oh yeah, we're, oh yeah, we're in it, baby. <laughs> like it's happening. And, and yeah, and then Disney buys like a, a YouTube MCN for $500 million. And at that point, all gloves were off and it's just been a rat race since. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's wild to see, you know, at, like on the ground level, just streamers, you know, you and and your peers, like that's a whole hustle in itself. But then on the the corporate level, that's like yeah. a fucking Avengers Civil War, you know? Oh man, it's <laughs> I gotta tell you, I pride myself in being really good with brands, with the exception of maybe one or two, yeah. uh, which we'll save for a never story. But yeah. um, yeah, I mean, like the fun part is working with these companies because, look, like it, nobody's gonna pay me any more money than like a Samsung, right? To, to promote their phone. Like their budgets for whatever I'm doing are, nobody even reads my line on the expense sheet because right. they're paying $40 million for a Super Bowl <laughs> ad. So it's kind of like, it's fun to be in here because you just get to mess around and people are like, well, we'll try it. And then if it works, great. And if it doesn't, like, I'm happy. They're right. like, whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, man. Yeah, that, that kind of no pressure, big resource thing is, I, I've oh, been so in that good. situation a few times as a DJ and man, it's the most fun shit ever. Very stressful, but it's fun when it works. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the, so you just made me think about like weird DJ gigs I've done where it didn't really fit. What's the, what's the oddest brand thing you've done mm. or the oddest like event you've. Let me, all right, let, I think I'll let, I'm looking at my chat to see if they have any, but I had one famous uh, example was when uh, I got to the front page of Reddit so many times. Right. But like, it was called the Bucking Totino's Bucking Couch Bowl, and <laughs> okay. it was during the Super Bowl, right? So during the Super Bowl, uh, or at least like the start before the Super Bowl aired, me and my friends like Tim the Tatman and Gold Glove and some other people, um, they put a couch on a on a mechanical bull, like a full couch with one strap. And the goal was to let Twitch chat control the mechanical bull couch right. while I'm playing video games. And we oh each had to God. take turns. And if there's one thing you cannot do, it is to give Twitch chat any control because, you know, I didn't sign a waiver or anything, <laughs> right? Let's just get on here. They're just control. trying to murder you, yeah. All right, so they spun it around and like it kept going and going and going and it flung me off and I flung off upside down and almost cleared the, the foam barrier so it's like five feet off the ground initially. And then I'm in the air. I would have landed on my neck, broke my neck live on stream. It would have been miserable. Oh my God. <laughs> Funny at the time, but like, yeah, not, uh, not great. It was... <laughs> that is truly some wild West shit. That's, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like, you can never, you can't let the internet control anything. Right. That's like, yeah. I always laugh when you see a brand be like, help us pick the new name for our new product. It's uh, every single yeah. time. You, you, you already know what it's going to be. You should have learned when Mountain Dew tried to do that in 4chan, holler at them. And it was like <laughs> like gushing granny flavor for the <laughs> Granny Smith apple. And you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> It's so good, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, uh, I, I love all of that. <laughs> well, so how was there a moment as you kind of saw this building and you're broke and you're living off ramp? and and all that was there was there something that changed it for you or was it kind of a gradual famous, no. thing yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, well, well that you know that yeah, i mean no yeah. I, really what happened was there's been a lot of times in my career and i'm sure every single dj or every single producer's career where you have breakthroughs that may help you in some way i mean there are so many different moments i can point to that i'd say like without that i wouldn't have gotten to the next tier and there are far more of those at the start of my career than there are at the end because at a certain point like 
those breaks aren't as incredibly large, right? Yeah. So I would say, I would say like, I probably attribute most of my early gro- or middle growth towards Minecraft. I started a series with a couple friends of mine, well, one friend of mine, and we slowly added people from all around. And it was like a semi-scripted thing. That was arguably the largest I have ever seen my chat. You know, I yeah. had like 20,000 viewers a day and 48,000 peak. And you're like, I got a stadium here watching me play <laughs> Minecraft. Like, okay, cool. So uh, that uh, helped with popularity a lot. And then, you know, th- that we stopped doing that, separated myself from that. Over the years, things dwindled. And then again, I found myself playing some weird game called Doki Doki Literature Club. Fire game just came out on the Switch. Maybe you guys check it out. It's a <laughs> it's a Japanese dating sim game, which oh, yeah. is uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know which this. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything in case somebody's influenced, but I loved it. Played that and realized, man, I should stop playing only shooters. Like I should play some other games. I this was fun, so I'd open up to a bunch of different games, and that helped as well. So I don't think that there's any one thing that helped more than the other because I still value getting a shout out from this dude named PSN cool beat PJ that got me 500 subs in one day when I only had a thousand. That's, oh, yeah. it, that's nuts. Do you almost double, you know, that's 50% amazing. growth in a day. Wow. Yeah, no, that, that absolutely, man. I mean, I, I, while you're talking, I'm thinking about all these parallels to, to the music career that I've mm-hmm. known. And it's really yeah. crazy to me, man. There's between, between DJs and producers and gamers and streamers, there's all these parallels that I'm sure you've seen too. Oh, 100%. The music industry and gaming industry are so intertwined. Like it, it's it's so easy to relate to you guys um, for pretty much anything at all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how did how did love of electronic music enter your life, you know, post LimeWire? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so I was listening to electronic music during LimeWire stuff. And then I got really into mashup music, Girl Talk. Still oh, love yeah. Girl Talk, but like, you know, Milkman, all this stuff. I even tried my hand at making mashup tunes and handed out CDs, my MySpace. Nice. I went under the name DJ Erect, which is great because uh, <laughs> my last name's Boner. So I thought that high school me was like, yup, this is the one. <laughs> Nailed it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. But um, yeah, I, I'm not musically trained. I don't know how to make music. So after I tried to make Happy Hardcore on Fruity Loop 6, I was like, oh, I yeah. think this is it for me. Happy Hardcore um, was my first. That was the per- first piece of vinyl I ever bought was Happy Hardcore. Really? Yeah. yeah. So two birds of a stone, so or feather, two whatever Two birds the of a stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a bird's dying two, two birds. Two dead like, birds, yeah. <laughs> yeah, two dead birds of a stone. Um, yeah, I, I, I really gravitated. I liked, I liked metal music a ton and grew up listening to Children of Bodom and Opeth and Devil Driver and whatever. So um, I saw a lot of similarities in dubstep and, and, and like hard style too. And so I, I remember YouTube montages for Call of Duty used a lot of drum and bass, uh, a lot of chase and status and, um, or cameo and crooked. So it's like, it was so easy to get hit from all these different cultures, international wise. I'm talking to Euro- European guys who I never would talk to outside of using, you know, talking with them about content and they're sending me drum and bass stuff. And, uh, and right. I'm like, oh, I've never heard this. So it was really natural to be attached to how diverse electronic music was when I'm so used to listening to such a niche subset of rock. And I mean, it's crazy on, on the pod on this podcast, like how many DJs I talk to who have that metal background yeah. for those interests. I mean, I was too. The first band I ever had was a metal band. Did you ever consider going down that route at all? Like, I feel like there's, yeah. cause I mean, there's definitely DJs who stream are, did you ever consider being a streamer who DJs? 
I do. I have decks, right? Like I yeah. can, and I do sometimes throw a little like private, I have an alt stream account that I'll pop on like once a month and I'll mix and, you know, we'll go all over the place, but that's for me, right? I don't like, I've never performed. Well, that's not true. I did some stuff with brownies and lemonade, but like, I'm not a DJ there. I, while I can DJ, you put me on a different pair of decks and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know where any of these buttons are supposed to be and I can't do it. Like I need yeah. my home DJ set. So sure. At some point I, I think it would be fun. But that's not why I do it. I do it because it's fun to DJ for my friends. It's fun to have that. I want to just share the music that I listen to with people. And it's so nice when you get a good mix and, you know, you're, you got like 20 minutes of perfect mixing and you're like, come on. Yeah. Like, is this not incredible? <laughs> <laughs> that feeling that I know it? you yeah. guys feel every time on stage oh, is man. so infectious. Yeah, it, it really is the best, man. And there's something you said earlier that struck a chord with me too, which is that you've had this music that you wanted to to share with other people and the same things, you know, putting out your videos, you wanted to share these ideas. Like, I feel like right. there's a certain aspect of, of curation that is in yes. your brain. You know what I mean? Well, I've been, I mean, that's, you nailed it because even, like I said, burning CDs for friends off LimeWire in like fifth grade to, I just be like, what kind of music you like? Hey, let me show you this stuff, right? I love, I love being a tastemaker. I love showing new restaurants and finding it. Like it make, gives me a lot of serotonin to have somebody enjoy something I've chosen. Mm. And so what better way to do that than making playlists on, you know, SoundCloud or, or Spotify, which I was doing far, far be, before doing anything in the music sphere. And I think that if anything, you, you nailed it. Like there is a level of curation that I feel oblig not obligated, but enticed to do in anything that I enjoy. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, maybe we'll hop on and off of this subject, but you know, that's a good way to talk about night mode because, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's you and your, your partner in the label curating an entire roster of ads, right? right? And, yeah. and actually picking things that are going to be public to the world. Like, I, how do you go about, you know, because I think for the podcast, we got a lot of people listening who are aspiring artists, up and coming artists. And that's mm -hmm. always the question, right? Of like, how do you approach a label? How do I get my stuff signed? How do I link up right. with other entities? What is it for you? Is there anything in particular you look for? Yeah. All right. So I do demo review streams, just like every single artist or musician yeah. on, you know, I, the point is there's, you know, we get a hundred demos every two weeks or something like that. And I love listening to them, but it's great to also listen to demos anonymously and see what initial reaction are. It's kind of like testing out a new tune yeah. um, in, in the crowd. I, I, if you are an aspiring artist, like this is going to sound so dumb. Just make good music, man. Like, why is that so hard? Just make the best music you could possibly make right now. Have you considered not making bad music? Yeah, I've listened to some songs and they're bad. You just need to make them gooder. Um, no, in a non-condescending way, if you're submitting music, all it needs to be is the literal best product you can put out at that moment. And if it's not good enough for me, I'm not going to go and tell you like, damn, you can't believe you sent this. I've had some awful demos. Yeah. Like the first song this person has ever made clearly it's, I don't say this sucks. I don't respond at all. It's just, it's part of the process of growing as an artist and every creative I assume can do the same thing I do. Look back three years ago and I'm like, that all is trash. What in the hell did I do? <laughs> and why is that still public, right? Do you look at you old grow. videos you've made it the same way? So awful, man. I have to keep some up because they're just classics, but I like, I, I have everything privated from five years and older and we're getting to that time. I got to start like, <laughs> oh, the, I, so it's just, my audio's bad. The lighting's bad. I'm bad. I, you know, it's <laughs> I'm the bad. blunder years. Ima imagine somebody gets to pull up people like, yo, why'd you private all your videos? 
Um, go back and look at your Facebook like posts from when you were 16, 17. Okay. I have that in video form every day. So like that's terrifying <laughs> amounts of cringy. I don't want that. Nobody needs that. We're keeping it locked. Yeah. That's so. probably, probably for the best, man. I mean, that's so crazy to think about. You have a whole documentary's worth of you growing up on camera, man. So valuable. And you can download all the videos and I've, I, I've uploaded over, uh, 2,700 videos to so 2,700 videos, um, on YouTube. And that is something that, you know, YouTube's not going anywhere. I will absolutely be downloading all of those and just having them just in case, you know, like, yeah. like what if, if I ever have kids be like, I wonder what dad was like when he was 20. Well, here you go. Here's dad jumping into the snow on camera. Like you got it. So I think it's just very valuable. I love that, man. It makes me wonder too, like putting yourself out there that much, being in front of the camera so much, like what do you, what do you keep to yourself? How do you keep, you know, how do you keep mm. your life actually your life? You know, very, what I mean? very poignantly timed question here. Um, I'm a person. And I'm a public person. Wait, hold on. You're, but you're a person? Can we? I know. Lizard person, but still uh, person uh, in my eyes. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and so while I am open and, you know, I'll let people know like, hey, I, like I tweet like, hey, it's a rough week, guys. Right. That's all you need to know. I mean, if I want to open up any more details with you, then I will. But I have a private life that I'm entitled to. And um, I mean, you know, if I'm dating somebody, obviously everybody knows if I'm um, if if I if I, if I have good food, I'm going to let people know. But like, if I have a gastrointestinal disease, you don't need to know that. Right. I don't need to share that with you. <laughs> so, so I'm like, yeah, I have a personal life, but it's not as, it's not secretive. I'm, what you see is what you get. You can't hide things very well when you're doing them, like when you're live six hours a day. Yeah. Right. Like that's not, well, even just you saying a second ago, if I'm dating someone, obviously everybody knows that's not obvious for everybody, you know? That's, well, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? That's like, I'm just right. saying that in putting yourself out there that much, it is, it's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. To an extent. I mean, either way, no, like I, I think that I, I wish a lot that I was uh, capable of having more privacy, but I mean, people know where I live. Like I've been here five months. My address is out there. Yeah. That's just the, I don't want to say it's the nature of things, but it is the nature of things. It shouldn't be this way, but it is. Right. There's right, a right. lot of it overreaching and invasiveness because when somebody spends six hours a day watching you, there is that one-sided relationship where like that, you know, there's this parasocial relationship that can develop, which is never really healthy. Have you gotten, I mean, cause you are, you have a level of celebrity, especially in Los Angeles. Like, have you gotten weird celebrity stuff? It's like stalkers, people coming to your house, that kind uh, of thing. Not, not since I lived in Santa Monica, we had a, a younger girl digging through our re recycling and her mom drove over there. And I was like, what the, f yeah, what are you doing? So I yelled at her mom. It was so weird. <laughs> I, was, I was like, she, I guess she was trying to make sure we live there. Yelled at her mom. I was like, that's awful. But, um, yeah. for for the most part, everybody's respectful. Um, I've cured, I've cultivated a very nice group of people that, uh, that I like to interact with. So, yeah. um, I've, I run into viewers like all the time at music shows, but that's, you know, the easiest place to find me. They know I'm there. Right. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, well, and that's a good natural place to do it. Right. Uh, and you were saying you were out last night, right? Was that, uh, was that one of your, your first nights out in a while? I feel like everybody's just no. starting to get back out there. 
that was my first space yacht um, of the season. I, I went the day California opened up. Brownies and Lemonade had a show, and I went. Um, and then uh, that weekend, I went to Exchange for Wax Motif. And then the next weekend, I did nothing. And then this past weekend, I went to uh, 4 a.m. Warehouse for Sarah Landry, which was just nice. sweaty, gross, and ideal. Nice. And, oh, that's yeah. beautiful. So you've been out it's, there. Yeah, I, I'm right back in the... I'm I, I'm all my bullshit again. Yeah. Once again, I am back on my bullshit. <laughs> they said it would never happen, but I'm back. <laughs> they said it couldn't be done. <laughs> Nobody said that. They were all expecting yeah, it. Yeah, they were very much expecting it. <laughs> how does it... How is it different for you now going out as a label owner? Like... Are you starting to think about the music business differently now that you have the label? Because you started it kind of shortly before the pandemic, right? So I have to imagine uh, there's yeah. a lot of ideas you haven't executed on yet. Yeah. Um, so we're coming up on, wow, you're right. Man, <laughs> when you phrase it like that, that really messes me up. Because I was like, no, dude, we started it two years ago. And then I was like... Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, that was uncomfortable. So, look, I I think the only thing that's changed is I do try to carry myself a little bit more professionally. Like my number one goal here, I love meeting people, and I love the music that I love. And if I, you know, if I can get and meet the artists that are making that in whatever way, that's great. But it's never my first, second or third conversation that I'm like, yo, you should send me demos yeah. or something like that's not appropriate or the way that I like to do it. I just want to get to know cool people and for better, or for worse, people do know that I run the label. So that comes up naturally. And, you know, then we'll talk about it, but it's, it's no, I'm still a fan of the music. I still go only go to the shows I want to go to. Um, it's it's all it's that first business second always. Well, and the label I think has already established such a good track record working with you know a ton of friends of mine and a ton of artists I love. Like when you started the label cuz I'm I'm getting tossed around here but we didn't even really talk about the idea of starting it yet. Oh yeah, like, which is pretty important. Yeah, you know, <laughs> ostensibly that's a thing people might want to know. I I mean, when you look at that and you look at the idea of starting the label, like what do you think night mode does differently that other labels aren't doing? Like, how are you thinking about this differently? I mean, it's so, it's like literally the most obvious difference here. And we started the label explicitly because um, we wanted to make DMCA free music for content creators to be able to use. But look, there are non-copyright DMCA free music um, channels, whatever out there. However, no one wakes up in the morning and says, oh boy, new DMCA free tune song. I can't wait to go listen to this yeah. one. Right, that's background music and it has its time and place. But I want to release good music that is that is that people want to listen to for no other reason than it's good. I just want the option to be there for anyone that wants to use it because I grew up content creator, like as a content creator, and I know the value of having something like that. Even if you're not using it in the background of your YouTube videos as you would normally for a background track, you listen to it, you enjoy it. Like that's all that I care about. Use it as your outro song, whatever. Yeah. So the number one priority here, and we've had to say no to so many artists because there were issues with like publishing and, and whatnot, like huge artists that I would love and to sign, like we have to protect the content creator. So DMCA free for every track as best we can manage. The music's legal system is such a joke. Oh my it's so God, convoluted. Yeah. And even now I'm like, I still don't even, I'm pretty sure we're, we're good. Right. Like, well, I mean, we are, but it, yeah, time, we have, right? yeah, we have lawyers on it. Um, yeah. But it's just, it's such a simple thing 
that we're doing. It's free. Anyone can use it. No licensing required. And I attribute a lot of the success of the label to that and uh, people who use it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, there's such a, we already talked about, you know, all these links between gaming and music. Do you, like, personally, I remember games I played early on, like, you know, people always talk about Tony Hawk and that sort of thing. Yeah. Like there's certain games where the music was such an important part of it. And I actually discovered so much music yeah. as a part of it. Yeah. I mean, Need for Speed Underground, Lil John, the East Side Boys, Get Low. First time I heard it was, you know, was Underground 2, was drag racing. And me and my friend were so in love with it. We wait, we missed the title. So we waited like 35 <laughs> minutes for the soundtrack to loop so we could write it down and go download it on LimeWire. Oh, I was amazing. like, you know, I agree with you. Racing games. Um, how pivotal is a good racing game soundtrack? How pivotal is FIFA's soundtrack menu music? Yeah. It, it's all part of the experience. And even in-game when you have a cinematic, whatever it is, music and gaming are inseparable. So it sucks to know that, especially now with the wave of DMCA takedowns yeah. from major labels, which all of these companies are licensing for, but you don't get the same permission to stream it. I have to turn music off. You know how weird it is to watch a cutscene and it's silent except for like character sounds. <laughs> They're in a club. People are like this. <laughs> it's just and you're silent. like, yeah. Yeah, in my head, I'm like, but it's so stupid, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. I don't know, man. The labels, it's an archaic system. I, I could go on and on about this, but it's its right. so funny to me because I talk to somebody like you and, you know, just from our own personal experiences, we can see how important and how impactful music in gaming is, whether you're playing a game, right. whether you're streaming, all of that. And to me, it's so obvious that labels would see such a huge benefit if they just turned on the faucet and were like, yeah, use whatever you want. To me, it seems so obvious there would be a huge benefit there. But then double edged sword. Yeah. Because yeah. because if they do that, then 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 people are going to listen to all their favorite music and not just mine. But <laughs> you're right. Like it's it's I've been lobbying for forever about this. And it's just such a I mean, it's this is a, kind of a tangent, but Monster Cat's 10 year anniversary was recently. Yeah. And I've known Darlington since before Monster Cat was a thing. Um, you know, he was bouncing the idea off of me when I was in my mom's basement because I asked him for Creative Commons or like rights to distribute for my music uh, or I mean for my YouTube video, uh, a tidbit of a song, a song that he used. I was like, I need to get explicit legal permission. Oh, wow. So I signed an agreement, all this stuff. So I knew about the dangers. It's just like, here we are still fighting the same fight and yeah. we will for another 30 years or whatever. I mean, it's crazy between you and night mode and monster cat shout out to monster cat. I mean, there's, there's very few labels in the dance music world who are doing it like this. And it kind of blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, you, you still have to get a license for monster cat um, to, to use some of their stuff and they release sure. a lot of stuff like the cascade stuff. You can't, of course, of course. Can't, yeah, of course. But like, you're right. I mean, outside of them, you're really just dealing with the copyright free groups and like you can't, I mean, there are some labels that are waking up to it. Um, I like the, the group of the midnight is, is, is I open to that. The midnight, yeah. Yeah. Sable Valley, I think is DMCA free. So, I mean, shout out RL one time, but it's just like, it's basics. It's simple. It's, it's free real estate. Just take it. Right. Yeah, Come on. yeah exactly. It just seems like, you know, as long as we're in this wild west atmosphere, you might as well, 
Might as well just turn on the faucet, man. That's all I'm saying. Right. Just turn it on. <laughs> let, let us drink. I'm thirsty down here. <laughs> We're dying. Oh, man. Someone in my chat just said, yeah, guitar hero and rock band, too. Like, there's all this you history. Can't, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. Please. You can't play either. Exactly. Uh, you, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy to me. I, I you so you have the guitar hero streamers like playing custom songs that are or like playing really quiet and how awful is that? It fucking it's so sucks. weird. It's so weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> I will say you probably know this, but for the people who don't, Guitar Hero and Rock Band old DJ secret was that they I don't know if they released them or it leaked, but all the files, all the stems for the songs in Guitar Hero and Rock Band leaked. So like there are folders. No I have way. some of them where you can like, I have like the stems for like System of a Down and Slayer That's and shit. That's so nuts. Dude, I had no idea. How crazy. I'll send you a link later. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so we, no wonder all these DJ tools use like, like the same, <laughs> the same set. No, that's crazy. I had no idea. Oh man. Yeah. I don't know how it happened. I'm sure there's a crazy story, but. Uh, hey, how does all music get leaked? Yeah. Right. It's, I'm, yeah. <laughs> somebody sends something. Eternal problem, man. Well, what was, you know, for you, what was some of the first DJs and musicians you linked up with out in LA? Because obviously, like you and Dylan Francis have done a bunch of stuff together. Yeah. You, yeah, I mean, boy. there's a bunch of people I could list, but but how did that right. start? So um uh when I moved back to LA, I was looking for apartments and I got a DM from a musician that I uh had liked named Vincent. Um, and he was like, Yo, I saw you're in LA, you want to grab ramen? And I was like, Fuck yeah, like let's grab ramen. So we met up, ate ramen, like hit it off, watched the women's world cup game, and I was like, This guy's dope. First new friend in LA, and I haven't even moved here, right? I have yeah. friends in LA, but I wasn't super close with them. Um, and so we started hanging out. Rob was dating a girl named Chaney at the time, Cray. Um, yeah, she's and been on we, this podcast. Shout out to Cray. Yeah, shout out Cray one time. She's my best friend. Yeah. Um we hung out a ton. I mean, for, for, we just hung out a ton. And, uh, so I met them, I met their management, um, uh, vital management. So I met a bunch of people through there and then straight up, I went to every single show that I could like everyone paid for a ticket. Brownies and lemonade just went, I love music. I wanted to be involved. I just wanted to go out and see it. I went alone. I went with friends. It didn't matter. Vincent was playing brownies one night. I'm, I've been showing up there for like months. <laughs> and so like, you know, you have a little bit of clout. I'm verified. So I'm tagging brownies and lemonade and Instagram photo. Like, I know you see me, man. Yeah. So they knew of me, but when they met me through Robin Chaney, met Chad, met uh, that whole group and Kush and Fernet, and it was like, okay, we're friends now. So it was a lot of just meeting up with people. And now um, great friends with Kazo, great friends with Dylan. You know, I, Zed's a, a good guy. It's just, it's not like I made any intention or effort to do so. It's just, you end up meeting people. So if you want to meet people in the industry, just become friends with a DJ. Easy. <laughs> just, and then you'll get to know all the DJs. Well, absolutely. But what you're talking about, I think we could apply this to, to anything, not just DJing, not just streaming, not just gaming, but kind of any way you want. If, if there's someone you want to build a relationship with, or if there's a scene you wish you were a part of, right? That's... That's like the secret that's not actually a secret. It's just like if you treat people like people and just, you know, hang out with them. Like, wow. Yeah. What? Like, don't put, like, don't put anybody on a pedestal. It's not that I was, it's not that I'm not a fan of, of, of Dylan or Kazo or Vincent or Cray, right? Like, I love their music. I do. Um, it's just that I maybe had a different perspective because 
I didn't, I know the type of people when I interact with them that I'm like, all right, you're being a little too fanny. Like, I like, that's cool, but you're on this distance because like, you're not friend. Like this isn't a friendship kind of thing. Um, you put a wall up between yourself. So I knew, I know that that's not something I like. So of course I'm never going to do it to anybody else. I think there was maybe, there's maybe three photos of me and Dylan not taken by press, right? Cause right. I'm not ever hanging out with them. I'm like, you want to get a photo? Like we good, <laughs> candid? That's just not a thing that anybody cares to do. So it's just, yeah. Um, don't be, don't suck and just be open to meeting people. <laughs> I, I like that your advice for artists is don't make bad music. Your advice for people is don't suck. <laughs> right. My advice for streaming is don't even try. Um, so we'll just hit, we'll just hit the gamut here. Were you going to shows uh, like earlier on in life? Yeah, I got a good, I got a good story. Um, so Dub Nation um, uh, is a, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, damn, what's their name? I don't know. Dub Nation was the name of a, a, a night for Steve's promo. That's what it was in Towson, Maryland. Right. It was all ages show at the Wrecker, um, a, a skeevy, like 80 cap, 100 cap bar, maybe 150 um, and tickets were like 15 bucks. So I started going because I realized I could hear some of the songs that just came out, but like live. And right. my mom would drive me there and pick me up because it was close 20 minutes away. I was like, let's there go. We go. So I convinced a bunch of my friends to go. And there's some photos of like young me in the crowd um, because the resident DJ there was uh, Smash Gordon, Steve Gordon, who, you know, now. obviously now formerly UTA or whatever, yeah. like incredibly large dude. So I went to a show, uh, convinced a lot of my school to go. This was like so, uh, junior, senior year of high school. And they all show up. We all show up at doors because we're idiots and we don't know any better. And, and <laughs> everybody left because like somebody was playing like ambient, like actual dubstep, like very chill. And they're like, this sucks. Of course, right. Steve gets on, throws like blue skies from, from flux on. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> Right. Uh, and then, and then at the end of his set, he, thro he's, he's throwing out physical CDs in CD cases, smash your fucking face in volume three. And he hits me in the face with it. <laughs> like, I was like, this is ironic. So I listened to that CD a bunch cause it was great. That mix. But yeah, um, yeah I've been, I've been, I was going to shows by myself too, um, for like Skrillex and, um, you know, Nina Las Vegas and, and Reed speed. Nobody wanted to go see Reed speed Man, with me. Reed speed right? That was so a tough, fucking dope. Such so an legendary. DJ. Yeah. yeah. It's, but, it's um, funny, man. People forget about Steve Gordon, too. And I mean, for anybody watching right now or listening to this later, you know, he's one of the biggest booking agents in dance music at this point. But yeah, he's, yeah. He, he started off as a grimy DJ. I mean, yeah. I, and I told him this. I told him the story in the back of a Coachella bus going to Hayden or Kezo's um, Coachella performance a couple years ago. I'm fucking wasted. Yeah. We're going to Coachella, right? It's like dark or we're coming back from Coachella. Like everybody's tired. And I was like, he's. Steve. And, and he was like, what? And I tell him the story and he's like, I, okay. Like, that's how he responded. And then Hayden's just like, shut up. And I was like, okay, I just thought I needed to get it off my chest. I had to tell that's him. So funny, but, dude. But like now Steve's we're chill. Uh, you know, I talk to him every now and then. No, but. Steve's great, man. Well, here's a question for you. I asked this to a lot of different DJs and producers, and it's become kind of one of my favorite questions to ask anybody recently. Do you know what you're doing? Do you feel like you know what you're doing? Because I think anybody, you get to a certain point, there's definitely aspiring streamers who look at you and they're like, man, he's got it. He's got out. it going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does anyone really know what they're doing? I have a good idea of 
um, what I'm doing in life, right? But to say that I have an idea of like, what is the best path to do anything? No, I'm just kind of fumbling around in the darkness. And most of the things that I have ended up doing for better or for worse, I have fallen ass backwards into. Like, I do believe that luck plays a huge part in everything. Yeah. But I believe that everyone is given opportunities to some extent. And what matters is what you do with that chance of luck. If you're in the same room with Diplo, like, what are you going to do with that, that lucky chance? Are you going to walk up and give them a USB? Or are you going to not say anything but make friendly talk with them? Like, what's your play here? It doesn't matter. Like, you shouldn't spend all night thinking about that. But uh, there's going to be multiple instances like that in your life me making this label was a similar instance. Dan, my co-partner reached out to me to do a disciple compilation. He was just like, I think this could be a cool idea. And I was like, I hate dubstep, (laughs) (laughs) but like, whatever, like, let's try it. Cause I've always wanted to do something like this. We did it. It did so well that he offered the idea to run the label with me. You know, I can't run a label. I didn't know shit about music until, or like legalities until now. So, and I'm still learning. So, so wait, that, what was the, what was the deal with the compilation? Was it you curating again? Yeah, I got seven or eight new songs and seven or eight re-releases of old songs. Um, I chose pretty much no dubstep, but either way, <laughs> um, they released it and Dan, it was the most successful album release Disciples ever had, oh, wow. which is, which is dope, but also kind of like terrifying. Cause now there's this onus that what if this was a fluke? We're starting a label around the idea that we can manage to, to curate um, something like this. It worked out. All right. I think it's working out. I don't know. We'll talk to me in 10 years, but I'm pretty sure it's working out right now. I think we're, we got a good thing going. Well, I mean, so this is the question then, like if, if you say, you know, I don't have it all figured out for what you're doing personally, what are you thinking for the label? What I'm sure you've got ideas <laughs> percolating. I'm sure you've got plans you're working on. I mean, and this is not like what do you got coming up next? But you know, where do you yeah, see is the this label? The, going? When's your next album? This <laughs> yeah. is your when's the next album dropping, bro? Yeah, no, 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 not that. Never that. But no, I mean, where where do you see the label going? What are some goals, some ideas you'd like to hit? Um, for the whole, this is this is my idea of music that I think is good. We have some straight pop like electro pop tracks. We have some hard style and like dark techno. Like it is whatever I feel like and yep. I hope you guys like it. And if you don't, sorry, but I do hope you like it. And I want to help, you know, share that with people. I would like uh, a big thing for us this year, COVID for everyone sucked, but um, festivals coming back. I want my damn art car at EDC. Like there we are, yeah, we work underneath Insomniac. Um, we were independent, but they do help with distribution and stuff and, why not? They're great. I want an art car. I've, they gave Monster Cat an art car. I want an art car. Like, I, yeah. I want to get more physical. I want to do a night mode show. I want to do it with brownies and lemonade. I want to like, I want to do more physical stuff and live stream it on Twitch while we do it because I think that's sick. It's a fun way to combine the worlds and not everyone can fly in from Europe to go watch a sweaty warehouse show with like some of our artists. So yeah. I, I want to, I, that was pretty much the main goal when we started our Twitch stream was how do we do live sets, like real live sets, not recorded and played live, but like we're at the club tonight. What you see is what you get. And we've done a couple tests and stuff, but yeah, I just want more physical stuff. I want to be able to take, take what we've built and say, like we have a group of people that like our, whatever the fuck we're doing. And I want to see you physically, you know, 
uh, drink a, a, a normal amount, a, a, a safe amount and enjoy yourself at our <laughs> event. That's what I want. <laughs> I like that, man. I mean, throwing events, you know, that's a whole nother dimension. To oh, it fuck too. no. Yeah. No, I don't want to throw the event. That's why I was like, I'll give it to brownies and lemonade and they will throw the event and then I will show up all giddy. Like I got guest go. list spots to give out now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Can't wait to turn people down. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love all of that, man. And I mean, I said this before, but I'll, I'll say it again. I think the curation on the label has been fantastic. Thank you. And just the, not only the range of sounds, but just it's, I, I mean, you're working with a lot of friends of mine with a lot of artists I really love. What was, was there an early one? Like you had Feed Me kind of early, right? Feed Me was supposed to be our launch song. I like, I am such a big Feed Me fan. I went to see him in Boston with Kill the Noise. Um, I drug my friend, I, I took my friends to kill the, uh, to that show and showed them. I was like, guys, this is sick. It was the teeth yeah. tour. So to have Feed Me, I sh took a shot in the dark, right? I, I, and I, to have his team come back and be like, yeah, we're down with this. I was I shit myself, man. It's been a long time since I felt anything that cool. And yeah. our first track, we had some issues with scheduling, but unlike Pluto, Feed Me, Kuro was our fourth release, I think. And uh, I'm friends with Luke. And so that was like the first time I was working with a person I knew. Um, and and ever since, it's just been a combination of people that have zero followers uh, who we've actually released like the first song with them yeah. um, to... Yeah, to uh, like one true God who's blown up from like a hundred thousand monthly listeners, to, like 700,000 and, and just so seeing, dope. like seeing artists grow, especially um, underneath us, more Kismet's first million stream song was you should run with Pauline her. And then that one got into Fortnite. Um, yeah, like crazy. all that is so sick. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you've, uh, you know, not to, not to pump the very podcast that you're on right now, but you know, a lot of these artists were on this podcast yeah. as well. And it's, there's something going on, man, where I think a lot of people's brains are opening up to the idea that you can listen to a bunch of different styles and sounds. The dance music scene for so long has been so sceney, if you know what I mean. You know, it's like right. if you listen to this, you can't listen to that. If you know, no mixing of the things. People stay at one stage of the festival the whole night, and I, right. I really hope. I don't know if this is going to happen because I'm a skeptical person, but I really hope like coming out of the pandemic, everybody's watching live streams, getting a little weird, opening up. And I think the label night mode is part of this where it's just like, yeah, we can we can open this up a little, guys. We can, right. we can listen to a lot of shit. Well, I mean, how am I supposed to compete if I wanted to do? I love house music and I love techno. I love both of them um, to death. I But I grew up, I went all my shows uh, here, trap. Oh my yeah. God, old trap music is is the, is the tits. And so yeah, I like side trance sometimes. Right. And I love D and B. So there's so much that I love. It's hard for me to understand if you don't love more than one genre and I get it, but I still want to like somebody only eats chicken tenders. Like I still want you to try like <laughs> something else here every now and then and see if you like it. Yeah. It's not healthy to just yeah, eat all those chicken tenders. It's not healthy to stay at the base pod all day. I promise you there's <laughs> like, you can go to neon garden and not die. I, you might not like it now, but when you get five years older, you probably will. I mean, it's, I agree. It's, it's always going to be clicky. You're always going to have this identity. People base their identities or get fond of the community. Um, look at Elenium selling at 60,000 seats. Oh my like God. that is Crazy. A, like those people love Elenium and that's dope. And some of them do like other music, but that's cool. You're always going to have that core community. It's just, 
push your minds a little bit further and just like try things you're not comfortable with because I take people to the hard style stage at EDC, Wasteland, because there's no place more happy. Nobody's there that doesn't want to be there, oh, except man. for the friend that I brought, right? And they're like, <laughs> I can't do this. And I'm like, you give me five minutes. And then they'll see them, you know, left, 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 right, right. I'm like, huh? And they're like, okay, I get it. It's pretty cool. My ears hurt though. And I'm like, all right, we can go. But yeah. <laughs> I just want to share that, right? There's fun out there. I mean, let's let's run down. Uh, you may not have a story for all these artists, but just because I love some of these people, sure. let me just throw a couple artists at you and see if anything comes to mind. Uh, recently, uh, one of my uh, very close friend, you put out a record from Johns, who I love. Johns, so I got to hang out with him at the Brownie Show, uh, the DMB Brownie Show. Jo- Johns, formerly of Jent and Johns, I was listening to them ages ago, right? So once they stopped yeah. making music under that, um, Johns came back with this really dope modular track. I think it was, uh, uh, I think it was a an EP on. Sable, House of God and Psycho. Yeah. And I'm such a slut for acid. I am so, <laughs> like such a, f- oh man. So I heard it and I was like, oh my God, he's actually like making good modular or like hard driving music that I could see people latching onto. And so John's just, he's actually being managed under Cardinal with some of my friends. They reached yeah, yeah. out and when they sent it, I out loud, I said, oh, fuck yeah. And I sent in, <laughs> I sent in, um, a, uh, an email. But the funny thing was, cause it's to my friend, I was like, yo, you know, I'm a huge simp for Johns. The autocorrect in Google for simp said fan. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, not in this email, not in this That's email. So, so funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and that track is great too. I mean, Johns, he goes crazy so with the, the rack mounted, the analog gear, so his whole good. set. Have you seen his studio setup? Yeah, I've, of course. And that's why I was like, oh, he's in it, in it. Like, this is this is some good, good. He's not lying to anyone. Yeah, no, he's not fucking around. Uh, another another guy like that uh, who I will throw at you now is uh, Hellbound. Mm, so Hellbound uh, got into him because he was making, this is a great story, got into him because he was making some really cool sound design trap music under Tassion, which was, you know, his project. And so, I mean, he was making some heavy shit. I think he even had a track in Halloween mixtape or whatever. So the funny thing was Chaney, uh, Cray, and myself have one day, um, we're drunk on stream and Chaney was just like, I like pesto. I think I'm a pesto boy. Are you a pesto boy? I'm like, fuck yeah, I like pesto. I'm a pesto boy. For whatever reason, our chats ran with it. Pesto boys is our like friendship duo, but I mean, and trio. Rob was, Vincent was in it. It's everyone's a pesto boy. Um, Fast forward like a year and there, and somebody is like, yo, I can't believe they're ripping Pesto Boys from Tassion. And I click on, I'm like, who, like, I know Tassion, of Tassion. I click on it and his fucking bio said, Pest, like lover of Pesto or like Pesto team or something like that. And I was like, uh-oh. So <laughs> I didn't change anything, but. Um, oh, that's so and, good. And then he put out this uh, EP with Noise um, and another track. And I really loved the way that Noise kind of, uh, felt. And so he was one of the first artists that I reached out to for, um, for our, our initial like season of releases. And of course, like still to this, still to yesterday, love the guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's great. Wasn't he just playing at space? Yeah. Was that yeah, the show was yesterday? Yeah. 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 Man. Shout out to Hellbound. I haven't talked to him in a while. I love that guy. Uh, how about another, I feel like there's probably a story here. Eliminate. Yeah, Nate. So Nate's managed. Dan. Dan is uh, Daniel's my co-founder. Uh, he part owner of uh, Disciple manages Eliminate, manages Knock Two, um, as well as a couple other people. So that 
Like Nate's a funny guy. He's another person that is just doing streaming correctly. Yeah, he um, was made for a, it, man. It's crazy. And he's so good at it. I love his sounds and stuff. He made that song on stream um, and we we slotted it in uh, to like like a very tight window last minute. And I remember going to bed the, la- the night before it came out, seriously thinking, I've done this to this song and to um, uh, You Should Run with More Kismet. I, I, I remember going to bed thinking like, fuck, I hope I didn't make the right call and this isn't too wacky for them. Like I was still trying to, because most of the music up in that point had been pretty, you know, yeah. but Nate, Nate makes some fun, weird music. Both of those songs have million plus yep. plays. So we did a good job on that, but still I was like, <laughs> oh man, I hope it works. Oh man, yeah, it was, it was so good. And I've loved seeing him become this like, streamer personality like i don't even know he's a multi-hyphenate at this point like i yeah. don't even know what category i'd put him in because the music he's an entertainer been, yeah he, he is similar he is most similar to dylan francis where whatever they're doing is just and and eptic too has been making some funny stuff oh on God. twitter yeah but um, is, yeah yeah <laughs> just they're just entertainers yeah i think that's right well how about uh how about more kismet now that you so, mentioned more kismet i met very briefly during their first Brownies and Lemonade performance. And I met their mom like in passing. I was just like, Hey, I love your music. Bye. Like how crazy is it? They were 15 at the time. So to have a 15 year old in a nightclub hard as it is, but like to have them pop off like that and have such an interesting sound. That's great. And then I like the song is with Paulina or Pauline her. And it's, it's good. It's, it's, Everything I love about the earlier SoundCloud experimental days, it sounds like somebody had fun making it. Yeah. And it's two very different songs from the first drop to the second. I was like, this is the one. And if you listen to more Kismet's music, it's definitely kind of changed throughout um, their career, but they were making some really hard stuff. So this was the softest song they had ever made, I believe, at the time. And um, I was just like, I was just like, I love this song. We have to sign it. We have to make it work. So yeah. that one, um, also just love everything that they do, spreading themselves, their joy. They're um, incredible. Yeah. yeah. They, one of my favorite episodes of this podcast from last year was with more Kismet. And yeah, no, I, they're, they're just an incredible town, incredible person. It's so exciting. I mean, first of all, it's just fucking frustrating when someone is that good at 15 and 16 right, years you're, old you're like oh i guess my time's up i've <laughs> yeah, gotta go <laughs> i'll get out of here now <laughs> yeah. but uh but no it's so inspiring because like you said the music is changing so quickly and you can see them evolving and they're growing up right and i don't know there's something exciting about that energy because i remember when i was 15 16 how much music meant to me yeah. in a way that now it doesn't because we're old and jaded, you know? Right, yeah, that, it's it's uh, innocent almost. Um, and and that was very alluring to me and very, uh, uh, I'm impressed by their ability to handle how much they're going through at like career-wise too, just in general at a young age because I was a mess when I was 16. Oh, like, man. And they're, and they're, t- they're taking 2 a.m. shows like on weekdays. <laughs> oh my God. I just, I don't know how they do it. But um, yeah, it, you're right. Captures that sort of, there's only fun involved here. Yeah, a hundred percent. All right. Well, one more, one more okay. artist, and then we'll we'll kind of start wrapping it up here. But I have to mention it just because I love this man. Uh, is Link? I saw him last night. I, oh, I burnt his mouth with a uh, pizza. Um, <laughs> great. Uh, it was great. his own fault. Yeah. So he's great. Um, I actually was a fan of Lax, which was his other um, uh, 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 artist for a while. 
he made the loudest effing music I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, I don't even, it, people joke about the loudness war. You already lost ages ago. It was it's, so loud. Oh, yeah. Um, no, and, and I mean, that's a real thing. Like, the loudness wars, people joke about, but, you know, there are producers who stay up at night trying to figure out how can I get it 0.01 decibels louder than the next guy. And yeah, Lax I, has been doing yeah. that. Link has been doing that forever. Right. And so uh, I they were another situation like Hellbound where they only had two songs out. Um, and I was like, I love this kind of speed house um, feeling. And uh, I, I was like, okay, we've got to jump in on it and, and make it work. I, I think it was at the same time that we were talking to Alert and I was just on this, it was, it was like energy music, right? Like yeah. music that makes that really, I was, I was craving at the time. And, and Link, uh, once again, has been making some really fun music, really fun up tempo. Uh, so, you know, running the label so far, what, what has surprised you about running a label? What have you learned so far that you didn't know before? Um, hmm. I mean, let's leave all the boring stuff of like how to actually run the label right. because that's uh, self-explanatory. <laughs> what file formats um, do you send to the distributor? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh, I am, I am not surprised, but I'm once again reminded of how nep nep nepotism runs rampant in the music industry. Oh, yeah. And it is disheartening to, to know that there are some things that get preferential treatment because of, you know, politics, whatever. Um, <laughs> shout out Spotify one time but uh, I mean Spotify actually like now that they've shifted to more algorithmic stuff we get a lot of love from them almost every track in Crate Diggers which is great yeah. um, and then additional stuff but that aside I've been really really surprised to find um, how not surprised it's how different every artist is in their creative process what they're capable of doing like some like John's I was like he sent us that song was a half finished no second half like kind of bare bones. And I was like, I fucking love this song. And he goes, all right, give me a, give me a week. And right. I was like, okay. And then he sends that back. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, cool. And then others, you chase them down and you chase them down. And then this needs to be tweaked and you miss 17 deadlines. Like Parasite, the song almost got pulled the day before it came out because there were so many moving parts with having three, such three incredible um, uh, and very artistically passionate people working on one track. That thing was like, we were real close. And, and so uh, like Dan away is one of my favorite people. I love him to death. He's a good friend of mine. So it's just like a labor of love in that regard. And um, uh, it's just, it's, I guess people are different. Who knew? Everybody's different, yeah. but it was kind of surprising. <laughs> what are I the thought, odds? Yeah. Well, you think that somebody, you think that people sit down every day to make music, but that's not the case. Like maybe you just don't make music a couple of days. Maybe you sit down for five minutes and bang out an entire song. It's, yeah, it's a process. Yeah, it's a it's a whole different world. So let me as we kind of wrap it up here, man, let me turn it back on you for a second in mm -hmm. in what you do right now. This is another question I try to ask everybody I talk to. What is what is the most fun part of what you do right now? What is the most exciting part? What do you look forward to? Like what keeps you here doing what you're doing? Man, um, I love creating stuff, right? I have, I like entertaining people and I like doing, I like the feedback that I get instantly from doing Twitch. Um, I, I think like a lot of people, you go through creative droughts and I'm currently definitely in one. I'm trying to find what I want to actively focus on right now. Wait, what but, does that mean? Just because I'm ignorant, what does that mean for a streamer to be in a creative drought? Because you're still well, streaming, right? I mean, I make YouTube videos too, right? So well, right, I, I mean, of course. Right, so you can 
just you can get on and you can get on and turn on the stream and do whatever you want, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be engaging. I mean, there's production quality stuff that you can enhance. Like, what if I need a new intro? I I've been doing this thing where I'm making like little 30, 90 second commercial bumpers for when I go to the bathroom every week. Like, there right. there's a lot of stuff that you, like I want to do more, or more creative, or more interesting. So, uh, for just trying to make all that happen is is draining. Yeah, I but, well, I can imagine. So it's funny, man, because again, all these parallels between DJs and gamers. And when when I had Cheney on the podcast, Cray, she was saying the same thing about, you know, people think you just hop on the stream. People (laughs) think you just upload a funny video and that's it, right? There's so much that goes into it that people don't realize. Even just making little bumpers while you go for you going to the bathroom, like that takes mental energy. That takes time out of your day, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not that it's sometimes it's easier than others, but I I think every job has a a level of stuff you do behind the scenes that nobody sees. And everyone's going to always see streaming as sitting down and playing video games, just like everybody's going to see DJing as hitting play. Like there's nothing you can do unless you, unless the person actively wants to find out about it to convince them otherwise. That's cool. Like, yeah, very comfortable at this moment in time with the way anybody would see what I'm doing. It's not, it doesn't bother me. I'm too old to be bothered. I've been doing this too long. I'm an old man. <laughs> Get off my lawn. My Get content off lawn. my lawn. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are, what are, you know, we talked about goals for the label. What are goals for yourself and, and what you're doing, whether it's personal goals, career goals, right. anything you want to talk about? Uh, I just bought this place, so I'm 30 years in debt. So I'd like to figure out how to speed that up. Congrats right? so, on the debt. Congrats on the you, debt. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. Um, but I, I personally would like to um, continue to find a way to enjoy myself doing this because I have no desire to stop. This is a part of my life and it has been for almost half my life. I just want to continue to find ways to maybe innovate and push push what I think is good content out there. And then also... I just want to be able to have fun and whatever I'm doing. So it's not, that's easier said than done though. Yeah. yeah. Well, of course it is, man. I think that's the theme of this whole conversation is uh, you can sum it up into easy rules like have fun, don't suck, et cetera. But, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's a little more complicated. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, all right, man, I'm going to ask you the last question. This is the same question I ask at the end of each one of these episodes. It's kind of just a simple first thing that pops into your head kind of question. Just looking for a a time in your life, a moment, a memory when in a single moment, music really had a deep impact on you, really affected you deeply. And that's meant to be super broad. There's no wrong answer. Um, I remember uh, I remember being in. Oh man. All right. I remember going to dinner with, uh, I'm going to leave everybody's names out of this because it doesn't really matter. I remember uh, getting a text from somebody who I knew was an artist and they knew me and we were, we were friends, but like, we never really talked that much. It was like, yo, I'm heading out of town tomorrow. You want to grab dinner with me and these guys? And I was like, oh yeah, like, of course I would. And I got there and I got to meet like uh, somebody who was like in a management side of things, another artist and a couple other people, like a guy from publishing. And I remember sitting there in a fucking umami burger being like, this is what you wanted. Like you're, you're, you unironically got asked to come spend time in the music industry and like the actual industry, not just like, right. There's people yeah. that are in the industry and then there's people that do the shit and make the industry what it is. And I was, I was like, I felt accepted and that I was on the right path and like the things that I had wanted to do were happening finally. And that was like, 
four years ago. So Man. that was probably like the moment where I was like, oh, okay, we're doing it. We're in there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's that just makes me think about community, man. Like it makes me think about you moving to LA with a little group of of friends. <laughs> gamers. Trying, yeah. Gamers trying to make it at the start, right? Uh, like, at the end of the day, for me, that's where it comes back to with any of this shit is community right. and finding the acceptance of of peers and people doing the cool shit that you're also excited about. The mm-hmm. same way you like to, you know, burn CDs for people and just get excited about it, finding right. the people who who are excited about it in the same way. To me, man, that's the most beautiful shit. I think that's why any of us do what we do. Yeah, you summed it up really well. Community is important, and I love being a part of as many as possible. And whichever ones are the most fun, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, fun is fun is the, the watchword for this entire podcast, I think. Man. Right. Well, this has been fantastic, dude. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I know we talked about it a while ago, but glad we got everything sorted and... uh yeah, it's a, it's been a pleasure. I love I love seeing all the great names and faces that you have on here. Oh man, yeah. Well, we're we're not slowing down either. I feel similarly to you in that like I don't know where it's going, but it's it's going to keep going somewhere. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be looking forward to it. I'm sure we'll both be here for a while. Oh, you know it, baby. And yeah, looking forward to what you do with the label as well. Thank you. I'll try and impress you. We've got some good stuff cooking in the in the fall. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked. Definitely send me that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll shoot you a promo. All right, man. Great to talk to you, dude. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, man. Take care. Peace. Peace. <laughs>